0: Well, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 today. We're going to be looking at something that's an essential form of worship and an essential form of communication. And it was something taught dearly by our Lord himself, and that was in that of prayer. And so, and again, this is an essential for all. This isn't one of those things where a lot of times where people might need some sort of uh, a lesson on something that might be in deficiency, A lot of people fall short in certain aspects. But you see, if there's something we all have in common, there's at least two things that that is universal that we all must make sure that we are keeping intact, and that is our prayer life, and that of our worship as well. Our worship to the Lord and and prayer. And and that is something that even some of the most well-known evangelists... Pastors and, and people that, uh, that we all know and love dearly will even say that they, they feel if there was something lacking in their lives, it was that of prayer. And, and our Lord and Savior himself is going to be teaching us the, the efficiency and the importance, the essentials of just that in prayer. And, and so when we look at that, when we look at our lives and our prayer lives, and, and we look at the amount of time that we spend talking to people, or maybe we look at wanting to call someone on the phone and we and we just cannot wait to hear their voice you know we can't wait to to pick up the phone and give them a call just to see how they're doing i haven't talked to you in so long and and we know the effects of that when with those that we have been around for such a long time that we that we care about you know and we feel the absence we feel the pain of not Talking to that person that we love so dearly. Now, since we can feel that pain and we feel the uh, the effects of that absence, can we imagine how God feels when we are out of prayer with Him? Which means that we are out of fellowship with Him. And, and so, when we look at these things, we have to remember that when we don't get that phone call, when we don't get that communication from those we love the most, how does God feel? When when we're not in communication with him, I love it. One one of my uh, favorite pastors I'd like to listen to. He is a he's a funny guy, and he told the story one day about how he called his son up, and his son said, "Dad, it's good to hear your voice." And he says, "Yes, yours too." He says, "Can you do me a favor?" He says, "Can you hold out your finger for me?" And he's like, "Okay." Now point it downward. Okay, Dad, I'm doing that. And he says, do you see those numbers on your phone? He goes, my number is, why don't you start, dial, start dialing those numbers? And he, the son laughs and said, I get it, Dad, I get it, I understand. And so, again, how does God feel at times? When, when we don't have to worry about picking up a phone... We don't have to worry about the cost of a long-distance phone call. We have access to our Lord at any given time by simply calling upon Him right then and there, which is free of charge. Prayer is our plumb line to the Lord. And it's our access. It's, it's the invitation of communication into our into our heavenly access, into, and, and His access to us where we're at. We get to meet Him... There, he meets us right where we're at. We get to meet one another through prayer. So I want to go ahead and venture. We're going to venture into chapter 11, and we're going to see some important things of what the Lord's teaching us here. And and again, let's go ahead and take a deep look at the wonderful teachings of our Lord and Savior as we look at verses 1 through 4 in chapter 11, which says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased that one of his So once again, we see that the Lord was found in prayer, which numerous times uh, we can see through the Gospels, especially that in Luke. When the Lord was being uh, sought out after, they found him in prayer. Which again, which is a a very important example in the life of a follower of Christ. You know, we look at the Jews. They would pray three times a day in the temple. Daniel, he prayed three times a day in his upper room in Babylon, facing west toward Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And it wasn't a requirement to pray th- uh, three times a day. It wasn't a law. I mean, even King David said in the book of Psalms, he said, I will pray morning, afternoon, and evening to you. Because it, it was done out of devotion, not out of force. And I just love what I heard a... um A Jewish rabbi put it basically when, when the question was asked about praying three times a day. And he said with passion, he said that, you know, we, we look at it as of calling like your, calling your husband or your wife, you know, during the day to check up on them and to see how things are going. It was more out of a a form of love and devotion, not out of a, out of a forceful thing. And this was the one thing that the disciples asked the Lord to teach them, which was how to pray. And praise God for that, because we can easily pray amiss. See, we pray with wrong motives, or ask for things outside of the Lord's will. And what we just heard from the Lord was a model prayer. See, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, was a chapter documented of Jesus' prayer before they arrested him which was the prayer out loud that he said was and it was written for us to observe by John the, the apostle John uh, but this model prayer he gave he gives us the right track of prayer as he started out with our father in heaven hallowed be your name in recognition of God and who he is he says your kingdom come and your will be done in which must be remembered that all is in his will and that we ask for his perfect will in our lives. And that he continued to give us this day our daily bread as a a prayer of providing of our daily needs as the Lord reminds us that even the birds of the air are provided for. How much more important are you to God in, in comparison to them? But yet he provides for them. And then, of course, he says, forgive us of our sins, as we forgive our debtors, which is always important. And and though we are forgiven once and for all by the Lord, we still sin daily in our minds and our hearts. And, And we must ask for forgiveness as we approach his throne. You know, forgiveness is the cornerstone in our relationship with Him. As He forgave our sins against Him, He requires us to do the same with others. And, and it's funny because I heard somebody speak once. He was a, a seminary professor. who Somebody came up to him and says, you know, he goes, I thought you should know that I haven't sinned in about seven years. And so the professor's reply was, that's interesting. He's just like, well why don 't you give me five minutes with your wife and 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 see what she has to say, <laughs> and better than it, I'll even take two minutes with your children to see what they have to say about that and how you act inside the home when when no one's around. See more is caught than it is taught and, and so by by making that statement he 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 kind of misrepresented the scripture that we could find in First John, which says that if anybody says that they're without sin, they have deceived themselves. So it is It is important and vital to to continue to make sure that we do come to the Lord and continue to ask for forgiveness on a daily basis for the things we've done right then and there. Because we are washed clean once and for all. Thank God for that. But we continue to do things and think things that nobody else knows about or sees or hears but him. But Let's continue to see as he says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil... He never tempts us, but he will test us. And we must be aware of our weakness, as that's where temptation comes in. And that's where the prayer of temptation comes in. We must remember that only Christ had the ability to resist temptation on his own on his own power where we can do it uh, where we can do it by his power but we're not divine we're not Christ which is why we ask for the provisions and strength from him you know Paul made known in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me so you know may we recognize that in our prayers and, and in our abilities in which Christ gives us we can't do any of this stuff if it weren't for him Let's take a look here in verses 5 to 8 as it says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. You know, the Lord gave the the model prayer. But now he gives a model example. And many have a saying of what would Jesus do, okay? And the Gospels pretty much expose that. You know, what would Jesus do? W, w, uh, WWJD, I guess, is what a lot of people like to remind themselves. Well, if you want to see that, observe the Gospels. And the model prayer he just taught follows with persistent prayer and action. And, of course, most would think, you know, well, how rude of someone to knock on a door at midnight for three loaves of bread. I wouldn't get up and do that. But yet we forget the setup of of, of ways and the culture and the setup of the houses in these days were a little different, okay? Because most houses have bedrooms and other quarters for sleeping, but yet these houses had a setup where most uh, most were sleeping in the same area, uh, most likely on a platform area, for, according to uh, what we've seen from archaeological setups of, of ancient houses there. So, so to get up and move would probably would disturb the household. In some, at the times, may have had animals inside as well as well sleeping. And so we, we see this and think to ourselves, yeah, I'm not getting up. But with persistent knocking, he will eventually give in and give you the bread yeah, just to get you on your way. But, you know, praise be to God that he, he's not going to do that to us, right? Because, well, for one, he never sleeps. But, in, but he loves us. He loves when we call upon him at any time. God's the only one I know that at, uh, that at the midnight hour is delighted to hear a knock at the door when we want to be with him or when we need something. And some may say that God has not answered my persistent prayer. Well, again, he knows what's best for us, more than we do. He doesn't play hard to get. He shows us what's most important as we pray persistently for what's most important. But in my own observation and even in my convictions, you know, do we become like one who prays, gets what he asks for, and then we vanish? Well, we'll call you when I need something, Lord. And and that's unfortunately what happens with many. See, I was moved by an interview with a well known evangelist by the name of Billy Graham. And this was on his 97th birthday. And as we speak right now, he just turned, he turned 99 years old just recently. We're in 2017, towards the end of. But on his 97th birthday, he was asked, what would he have done differently? See, over the years, people have asked him that. And he says, well, I would have spent more time, uh, I would have spent more time in the Word. And then he said, I, I would have spent more time with my children. And this was earlier in his years. But now on his 97th birthday, which was a few years ago, he says, I would have just prayed more. I want to tell God each day how much I love him and how much I can't wait to be with him. And for me, you know, personally, that was an eye-opener to our relationship with the Lord. It was a wake-up call in many aspects from somebody that the Lord has allowed to live at the age that he's been able to live. And I've always said if you want to learn from somebody, learn from somebody who's who's been up there in age and ask them questions. Because you'll hear some of the most profound wisdom. You'll hear things from them that that you would have never thought of because they were allowed to live and to observe things that they that they really know what they missed out on. And when Billy Graham speaks, a lot of people will listen. But what he said was out of complete and utter humility and complete truth. Don't matter how old you are. Don't matter how young you are. From the time of of our knowledge of him to the time of the very last day on earth... May we have that same type of demeanor that we just want to pray to him more and more and and just tell him how much we love him and can't wait to be with him. Let's go ahead and continue in verse 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. In he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I like in the book of James, chapter 4, in verses 1 through 3, he reminds us, years after Jesus taught this, but he, he made more known that you do not have because you did not ask. And when you do ask, you ask amiss, and you kill and covet, he said. And then he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is being an enemy of God? As he gave the example of a child asking for bread, and will you give him them a stone or or an egg and and you give them a scorpion? Well, well of course not if you're a loving father. But do we ask for the right things, you know? Do our prayers ask for extreme wealth? Uh, Do we ask for a supermodel wife or a husband? Well, those may not be in his will for you. Because asking for those things and trying to obtain it can be just like getting a stone or or a scorpion that you will be eating by your own worldly desires. And Jesus said it best. Those being evil know how to give good gifts. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Good fathers make mistakes. Though they treat their children good, but how much better does the Lord treat us as His children? You know, again, I'll never forget hearing a... Uh, a loving pastor telling the story about how he may be in a a counseling session in his office and his grandchildren would run right into his office during that session and they would ask for something from him and he just can't help but to give it to them what they asked and and why is that well the, the simple answer would be because they have the presidents, simply because of the relationship But he made known that at times they ask for things that are not good for them, and he will not give them those things out of love and protection. Now, I love what Psalm chapter 84, verse 11 says. It says, The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I, I felt the importance to emphasize this verse because of the motives in our hearts. It, the misinterpretation uh, of the passage at times, those who know the Lord well will realize and accept that if something did not come to them, then it may not have been good for them. as many ask for wealth. but you see, the Lord knows that it would it might destroy them, and it will keep you He will keep you from it. and why some why some obtain it? Well, he knows us better than we do ourselves. But what would we become? You know, those who obtain it, there was a purpose for it. You know, there's nothing wrong with having money. The problem is, is when the money starts to have you. Never, never in the Bible did we ever see anything that, that it was bad to have money. But we do see the dangers of, of what it could do to somebody. Which is why God requires stewardship. But the Lord will give us bread. He will give us fish when we're hungry. He won't give us a stone. He won't give us a scorpion. But what what is good and beneficial, He provides for one's need, not for one's greed. Praise God. And as we continue in verse 14 to 23, it says, And he was casting out a demon. As we're looking at something new here. He's giving us a whole other aspect of something here, as as Luke, again, gives us so much. He was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house is divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a, stronger, when a man stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus came and cast out a demon, and now again, there's the ones who would stir up the trouble. It was typically the Pharisees were the ones who were uh, who were doing a lot of the accusing and saying that he cast out demons by Beelzebub, who was the uh, the prince of demons according to rank as of that and like a military. But but they didn't say anything out loud. See, he read their minds and then he called them out and basically called them out on their thoughts on their thoughts being absurd (laughs) it's as if their attempts of accusing Christ was becoming more and more desperate you know He, he could how could the devil drive out his own demons you know we've never seen that ever we've seen them all flee when Christ came on the scene but that's what they did See, the accusers were not present when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert after fasting for forty days. They didn't see the devil flee when Christ said, "Depart from me, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, who just happens to be your Creator." And and Satan and Beelzebub were, you know, fallen angels, powerful and very dangerous. Yes, but that's what they are. They're fallen angels. They were cast out of God's presence by their own creator. There's no comparison. And these accusers were not there when Jesus approached a man possessed by the the demon known as Legion. Which indicated possibly that a few thousand demons were inhabiting this one man. And they were absolutely terrified of Christ. Asking if he had come to torment them. And then begged him to cast them into a into a batch of swine into a batch of pigs that were close to them, uh, so yes, absurd would be a good way to put their thoughts, that he would be casting them out in the in the name and the, and by the help of Beelzebub. Uh, the Bible proved that no one is more powerful than the Lord. He who is with me is is not against me, he says. Uh, so the question is which side do you want to be a part of? Okay, Satan is the strong man, but Christ is the much mightier. And there is forces of power and uh, power good and evil. And one, one or the other will be chosen. Some say that I choose neither side. Well, then you have definitely chosen the side of evil as a rejection of God and his existence. See, Satan doesn't care if you don't believe in him as long as you don't believe in God. Well, we could look around the world today and easily see that that good and evil exist. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. Well, I say let's be for him. After all, he was for us. John 3.16 reminds us of that, that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. And that whosoever should believe in him will have everlasting life well perhaps you are that whosoever just as myself just as millions upon millions around the world just might be that whosoever well I'm here to remind you again that he does exist and that he does love you and that he's watching you that he wants you he wants us all to be together. And, and so, what's more important to us is that we want Him and that we want to be with Him. May we have that same heart set, if you will, that Billy Graham did, you know, of, of so many years of serving the Lord and, and loving the Lord. But that we would also take the opportunity to learn from, from those now that we would be able just to be able to spend that good quality time of love and worship with him. Being in his word. Being in prayer. Being in fellowship with him and with others. Because this life we live is not very long at times. And we want to make sure that we make the most important decisions we can for ourselves and for our families. And nothing is more important than our eternity in heaven. Because that is the only thing that's going to be for sure, is that one day we are not going to be here. And the question is, is where do we want to go? Because there are two places, only two choices. And I want to be in that kingdom of light I want to be in that kingdom with him, with our Lord and Savior who died for us. So I want to give the opportunity right now that if you believe in him and if you've heard his word and you were touched by the Holy Spirit and want to receive him as Lord and Savior, that you will be able to do that right where you're at. And by receiving him in your heart, you will be able to have a place in in heaven with him as you receive him as Lord and Savior. But again, the, the continual of growth and the continual of your relationship with him must carry on. Because like a tree or like a plant that gets planted without water and without sunlight, it will not survive. So if you've been given a chance right here and now, if you feel like you've been withering, he will bring you to life. You just have to receive and you have to step into that light. And I want to give you the opportunity right now if you want to say this prayer with me. It says, Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, as I confess to you that I am a sinner, Lord. And I ask of you to receive me Lord, as I receive you into my heart as I receive you as my Father my Savior and my Lord and Lord I want you to receive me into your kingdom when my time is up Lord as I believe Lord that you died for my sins so Lord I accept you right now as my Lord and my Savior I receive you as my Father and Lord I thank you again for dying for my sins Lord Father I love you I praise you and I ask, Lord, for you to come into my heart right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray as you've said that prayer that you will continue to, to walk closely with him. Because he's watching us at all times. He's interested in us, in our lives. He, he knows everything about you. But I want you to know more of him. He wants you to know more of him. Because after all, we know so much about our own parents, don't we? Well, our Lord and Savior is going to be the best parent you'll ever have. Because He'll never leave or forsake you. So may you keep that in mind and keep Him in your mind and heart at all times. May God bless you.